0: Ten days later, Emma could not conceive how she had managed to do all that she had since she had been in London. But she had worked miracles, accomplished more in that brief span of time than in the last six months. Or so it seemed to her this afternoon, as she glanced at her checklist on the yellow legal pad. She had reviewed her various business enterprises to be certain everything was in perfect order and to reassure herself that there would be no snags during her long absence. Emma felt settled in her mind about everything, except Jonathan. He was her enemy. She didn't know the reason why, nor could she prove it. Nonetheless, Emma was filled with the growing conviction that he was the one grandchild she could not trust. Opening the folder on her desk, her shrewd eyes scanned the report from private investigators she had engaged to check on Jonathan's activities in his business and personal life. They had turned up nothing untoward, but this did not convince her that he was innocent of any wrongdoing. The firm of Graves and Saunderson would have to dig deeper, look farther afield. She was positive there was something, somewhere. It was there, as if hovering in the dark and just beyond her reach. She closed the folder with a decisive slap. There was no point in reading it over and over again. That was a waste of time. Sitting back in the chair, Emma wrestled with another pressing problem. Whether or not to discuss her suspicions about Jonathan with Alexander and Paula... Maybe it would be wisest to confide in them. What if something happened to her when she was abroad? What if she fell sick? Or dropped dead? She would be eighty years old in a couple of days. Perhaps to be on the safe side, she ought to tell them. They were her chief heirs. Her empire would be under their control one day in the future. Ten minutes later, Paula walked in, and Emma looked up from the papers on her desk, her face softening. Paula, you look awfully tired. Are you sure you're all right? Yes, Paula reassured her. It's been one of those beastly days. Interminable problems with the French week planned for July. I really miss Emily. She was always so good at pulling our special events together. Emma gave her granddaughter a careful look. Has Emily told you anything special? Confided anything in you? Paula began to laugh. (laughs) Oh, I suppose you're referring to her new boyfriend. Well, I must admit she's being awfully cagey with me, and that's not like Emily. She calls him her secret lover. Mind you, I'm sure he's not actually her lover. You know how she tends to exaggerate. Emma bit back a smile. He is her lover. Paula said, very startled, How do you know that? Why, I got it from the horse's mouth. Which horse? Emily. She told me all about him herself. And the so-called secret lover is no longer a secret. But who is he? Paula pressed. Tell me his name, for heaven's sake. I'm dying to know. Winston. Winston? I don't believe it. Oh, but you must. Emma said, because it's absolutely true. Oh, don't look so shocked, darling. Winston's very eligible, and let's face it, he has lots of charm, a lot going for him. He's also rather good-looking. Paula's black brows drew together in a sudden frown. (gasps) Oh, dear, what about nice Alison Ridley? Yes, nice Alison indeed. That part is sad. I always rather like that young woman but I'm afraid it's off with her. I believe Emily and Winston realised the depth of their feelings for each other on the day of the christening. They're going to announce their engagement this week before I leave for New York. Later, over dinner, Paula's appearance underwent a change, one which pleased Emma. Her alabaster complexion took on a soft shell pink cast and her eyes lost their haunted expression as she visibly relaxed. Emma made a decision. She would take Paula into her confidence. She would make brief mention of her suspicions about Jonathan. She felt it was necessary to warn Paula. And tomorrow, when she had dinner with Alexander, she would apprise him of the situation. In one sense, it was more important that he was alerted, put on his guard, since Jonathan Ainsley worked for Hart Enterprises. It was the 30th of April, and today she was 80 years old. She had never imagined she would live so long. Why, she was 11 years older than the century. In 1889, in that small cottage in Top Fold in Fairleigh Village, her mother, Elizabeth Hart, had brought her into the world. Earlier in the day, her daughter Daisy, her favourite, her best-loved child had taken her to lunch with David and the grandchildren. They had whisked her away from the restaurant at 3.30 and taken her to her store in Knightsbridge. Marched by her grandchildren into her boardroom, she had been greeted by her top executives who were anxiously awaiting her arrival at the special reception they had arranged for her. Now she rode up in the lift at the Ritz with Blackie for champagne in his son Brian's suite before they went down to the dinner party that Blackie had arranged. At the door to the suite, Blackie raised his hand and rapped. The door was opened almost at once by Daisy. There you are, Mother, Uncle Blackie. We've been waiting for you. Do come in. Blackie propelled Emma forward and stepped inside after her. Happy birthday! Fifty-eight people shrieked in unison. That Emma was thunderstruck was immediately evident to everyone present. She stared at the crowd, made up of relatives and friends who had gathered together to celebrate her birthday. Her expression startled, and she coloured slightly, the blush rising from her neck to suffuse her face. Her eyes immediately swivelled to blackies, and she whispered, You devil, why didn't you give me a hint, some warning at least? She swung her head, faced the packed room, and was momentarily rooted to the spot. Her initial surprise completely dissipated in the few minutes she stood motionless surveying the gathering. Now she was again totally in command of herself, all those present, and this occasion. Looking autocratic, proud, dignified, and supremely elegant, she took a step forward and inclined her head. Well, she exclaimed, her strong, clear voice ringing out as she broke the silence at last. I never realised I knew so many people who were capable of keeping a secret, at least from me. (laughs) Their laughter rippled around her as she glided forward into their midst, accepting their affectionate greetings and good wishes with a graciousness that few could match. Blackie, edged over to Daisy, stood watching Emma circulating, dispensing her inimitable charm a huge grin suddenly illuminated his face and his eyes crinkled with humour. He exclaimed to Daisy, and you worried yourself to death, thinking she was going to be upset. Just look at her. She's in her element, handling them all with aplomb and behaving as if she's royalty. An hour later, at eight o'clock, Blackie escorted Emma into the private dining room farther along the corridor, where the birthday celebration dinner was to be held. In the flickering candle light emanating from the five round tables, the room resembled a charming summer garden, with masses of flowers banked on every side, and small colorful bouquets decorating the tables. The latter were covered in shell-pink tablecloths, and gleamed brightly with the sparkle of crystal, silver, and fine china. The evening progressed without a hitch. Everyone ate the delicious food, partook of the excellent wines, talked, joked, laughed and danced. "'Suddenly the din ceased, "'and everyone glanced at each other "'as the wall candelabras "'and ceiling chandelier were dimmed. "'There was a deafening drumroll. "'A waiter came forward, "'pushing a trolley, "'on which there reposed "'an enormous birthday cake "'topped with eighty candles "'flickering brightly in the muted light. "'The band struck up "'the happy birthday refrain, "'and the majority of the guests "'followed Blackie's lead "'as he began to sing.' joining in exuberantly. Champagne was poured, the cake passed around by the waiters. Then Ronnie Kalinsky, son of David Kalinsky, one of Emma's dearest friends and her first business associate, rose to pay his tribute. He was followed by Blackie O'Neill, who concluded by proposing a toast to Emma. Truly a woman of substance in the finest sense of that phrase, Once everyone was seated, Blackie, who had continued to stand, said, I give you our guest of honour, Emma Hart. Emma rose, stepped around her chair and stood with her hands resting on its back, her eyes slowly roving around the room, her glance touching each one of them briefly. Finally, she said, Thank you for joining me on my birthday and for the lovely gifts and flowers you sent me today. Thank you, Ronnie, for your eloquent words, for standing in for your father. David is sorely missed. Thank you too, Blackie. As many of you know, Emily and Winston are to be married next year. However, they did want me formally to announce their engagement to you all this evening. It seems that romance is in the air in the Hart clan. Alexander also asked me to announce his engagement to Marguerite Reynolds. So let us drink to the future happiness of these four young people. The toast was given amidst a ripple of excited whispers, exclamations. Emma stood waiting, gripping the back of the chair more tightly than ever. Her expression was benign, but her narrowed green eyes were watchful. She knew exactly what she would say, even though she had decided to make this announcement only ten minutes before. Paula, scrutinising Emma, took note of the friendly expression on her face. But her grandmother did not fool her for one moment. She recognised that implacable glint in her eyes. It signalled something.